Two Nerds and a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Thanks, Disability Hot Girl Boys. This is Two Nerds and a Joke with Robert and Ernie, and I'm Ernie. And I'm Robert, the guy who always and will always hate the 80s, humming at you live, sort of, kind of, in the past. That's awful. (laughs) But we do, but the one thing that's not awful is that we do have a guest on. Yes. It's always a good thing, and one of our favorites. Yes, one of our favorites. (laughs) Oh, flattery will get you everywhere. Yay! (laughs) Everything's coming up Millhouse. There you go. Yes, uh, th- this guest actually, uh, Kristen Stovall, has been on our show. This is technically the third time, but sort of the fourth, because there's a mystery conversation that we had um, that will never be heard by the likes of anyone, unfortunately. The great but, uh, lost conversation of 2021. Yes, it is. Finnish Symphony, the you know the the last book of the uh, the last chapter of the book that wasn't finished, right? Yes, that is that is where it falls into. The pilot um, that never aired. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the pilot that never aired. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to another group of friends of ours, uh, the Pilot Podcast. We haven't talked to them in a while. They actually that's that was that's that's their thing. They go and watch the pilots of shows and basically let it be known if they're going to be a great success or not. So uh, shout out to them for being yeah. the piloters of pilots. Um, so random shout out, I know. Kristen Stovall, the the glorious writer, is back on our show. Yes, raconteur, uh, author, uh, cosplayer too. Can we add cosplayer to that? Yeah, although cosplaying hasn't really been a thing anyone's been able to do much of this year. True. Fair. Gosh. Fair enough. Fair. A lot lately, of practice just lately. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of practice. No, no, no real show. Um, the uh, cosplayer, uh, t- technical genius with laptops too, right? <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all around great person and, and yeah. a fabulous nerd. And I, I feel in some ways, and, and I actually Ernie and I talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday, was we felt like with your, your outline of what you're doing, like here's what I'm doing, A, B, C, D, it's like, wow, I think she's more nerdy than we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we felt we feel a little inadequate. It's like, good Lord. Yeah, yeah. We, we realize we have to step our game up a little bit here. 2021, more nerdy than ever. Uh, I gotta hey, Forget that whole getting healthy thing and all yeah. that other nonsense. <laughs> I, I also did the getting healthy thing. But, you know, we really have to be careful about our nerd acquisitions in this world. Like, we can't mm-hmm. we can't try to diminish one another's nerdiness. <laughs> oh, good call. But good call. But self-nerd deprecation is okay still, right? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, but we are here to talk about one of the hot topics of the internet. That's is it a hot topic? Is this well, a hot topic? No. It no. was about two weeks ago. So as usual, we're right on time for us. <laughs> we're always about two weeks old. I mean, the content is always like. Yeah, however, <laughs> however, even though we're two weeks behind, however, it's still original for us, right? We're, That's it's true. still new for us. That's it's true. fashionably late, guys. There oh. it is. <laughs> yeah. um, we we are gonna do a a re-review of what we did yesterday, which no one will ever hear again. Lost conversation, but we are gonna do a full review, not only of course of what Kristen's been up to with her glorious book series, which I know everybody's gonna be excited about. <laughs> yeah, but... so more excited about that than to hear us talk yeah. about. 
<laughs> well, maybe. We'll see. But we are here to talk about – and the reason why I said I hate the 80s is a good preface to this – is Wonder Woman 84. Yay. WW84 or do Wonder we just affectionately call it Wonder Woman 84? I don't know the affectionate term for it. I, I, I've heard a few. Uh, I've heard a few different ways. I've also heard Wonder, Wonder Woman two. So you know. <laughs> yeah. You know it's 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 fine. Um, but we wanted Kristen to go go first in giving her opinion of the movie because she does come and did connect to it in a very unique way that isn't what everybody would first think about. But it really hit home for you, Kristen. I'd love to hear your piece on that. Um, and spoilers. Um, Oh yes, sorry. Definitely. Yes. Lots of spoilers. <laughs> spoilers, yes. Oh, I actually really loved it. I loved the first one as well. Uh, the reason I connect so deeply to it is because I'm a widow, and while you know technically she wasn't married to her love interest, it, she certainly does suffered you know the loss. And I love that they show that in the first movie, but I love that they deal with that in a in another way in the second movie and they really they they do on some level that you don't expect in a superhero movie Hmm. uh delve into that loss i mean you have they they do that with batman and the loss of his parents but with wonder Mm -hmm. woman they do it with the loss you know of a love you know right there's a lot of you knowing happening here i apologize (laughs) no you know it's it's okay (laughs) (laughs) but it definitely not only did I feel represented and empowered by the fact that here's a female superhero and we're seeing more and more of that, which is amazing, mm-hmm. but I felt empowered and represented in here is a person who has suffered a loss and is dealing with it and the repercussions of it. And, and it also in a, in a very superhero fashion showed how someone can actually grow stronger and find strength in finding peace and moving forward. And I thought that was really a powerful message. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And that's, a, and that's a key, and that's the key thing here, right? Is that there were, I mean, I, I was one of those guys. I watched the movie um, and I know you watched it twice, Kristen, because again, Birthday, happy shout out birthday to you, yeah, belated, happy belated birthday. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, we both I guess which birthday it was. No, no, no. It was your <laughs> birthday. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. I like that. Let's stick with that. <laughs> um, but one of the things I I really found about this, which is so interesting to me, was I watched the movie. I then, because I am who I am, I went and looked up all the reviews of it to see what people were saying. Um, and I didn't look out hundreds. I looked up four or five just to kind of see what the general consensus of other people were. And it was really, really interesting to see that four out of five were really quite negative. And the things that they were negative about – and I'm going to be a little negative too. I'm not going to say this is a perfect, brilliant movie. It has its flaws. Uh, it, like it does. It does. But it was just – so many of them were just so harsh and – didn't take into consideration, and again, my points that I'm going to make probably aren't going to take into consideration either, that it's really just a superhero movie at the end of the day, and there is going to be some crazy stuff that doesn't quite make sense. Right. Again, like the 80s, like why, why, no, bad people, bad. <laughs> such hatred for such a lovely time in history. The oh. 80s weren't bad. 
I didn't say they were hair. bad. The hair was bad. We cannot defend that hair. Oh, <laughs> if you've ever looked at the hair, that hair now, looking at today's eyes, wow. Uh, I yeah. saw some old yearbooks from, from like 88 and 89, and I saw the girl's hair. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that was big hair. And it's yeah. not it's not an over exaggeration, even though you feel it is in these movies, it isn't. And and that and I will say because I know your favorite movie of all time of of a strong female character, of course, was you know Galactic Karen, if you as you lovingly call her. Cosmic Karen. Cosmic Karen, <laughs> yes. Um, but Ernie, you had mentioned to me that one of the things you felt about that movie was in the reference to the time period, right? Yeah, the nineties. They right. it was a parody. It was like every scene was a parody of the nineties, from like. Blockbuster to the payphone to waiting for the audio file to download from AOL. Like they were just sitting around around this computer and they were waiting for it to download. I'm like, oh my gosh, can they make can they make any more jokes about the nineties? Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the thing. It kinda of hits you over the head with it where in this movie, yes, it was set in the eighties, but it wasn't a caricature of the eighties. It was more like a an updated sort of present view of the 80s. It, yeah. It right. wasn't done so much that the audience just like people couldn't connect with. You, know, you weren't distracted like, oh, my God, how many cans of hairspray did that do take? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Block of seagull's hair, right? Yeah, that's that's what or, or the, like they like they did give. Like that moment that we all saw in the trailers of Steve trying on the clothes. And some of it some of it was eighties, but the best one was the one where he spun the fanny pack around and he was <laughs> happy. And I was like, All right, that one got me. That one actually made me laugh out loud. Cause I was like, Oh, that was a good one. That's a good one. Cause I remember when fanny packs came out and a lot of people did have them. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I had them as a kid. We oh, were yeah. cool. And they yeah. were like Neon hot pink and stuff no. like that. They were very cool. <laughs> oh, the, the coolest ever, you know. It was like a broken. Oh, yeah. It was like an assortment of broken highlighters. Is what. <laughs> it was like. yeah. exactly. Yes, but for me, I feel there is a couple of moments in that movie that. Well, well, first off, we'll talk the pauses. First off, you had a, a couple of great villains that maybe were not as robust as they could have been. They were very original, I have to tell you that now. They were. They they are. Um, they didn't get used as as much as they should have been. But yeah. Yeah. Really exactly. amazingly performed. Kristen oh. Wiig and I mean both of them. They both knocked it out of the ballpark. But oh, Kristen yeah. Wiig stands out in my mind because we're used to her being the funny person. Yeah. Really goofy. Movie. Yeah. Yes. And to get to see her pull on some darker stuff and darker scenes, and to see how well she did it, that absolutely must be like brought up because she was fantastic and it showed how much range she's got mm-hmm. well that was the one thing i wanted to ask you Kristen, being being of the female persuasion there when you're watching her character like start off well her name was barbara wasn't it yes i believe mm-hmm. so okay really goofy really awkward really shy but you were like i was and i'm looking i'm like you know, she's really cute. Why would she act that way? Is it like something like, you know, she's grown up like that? Or is it just something like she like developed into that? I, I never understood that. Just, but then like, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Go it's, ahead. It's a lack of confidence. You know, it's, it's being self-conscious. Something that I thought was interesting is how much Barbara and Diana 
were sort of mirrored images of one another. Like, and that's from the comics and everything. But I think that they did it well. And so I could actually relate to both of them. Mm. And, and also through the grieving process, because, you know, I had the choice of rising above all of that pain or letting it consume me and being a horrible person. And and so they did kind of mirror one another and sort of it, it was showing a little bit how your choices can define, you know, who and what you are, even if you have the same set of uh, advantages or disadvantages in front of you. Yes. No, and that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, the other side of that coin for that character, I mean, for both of the characters, is you know they 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 really made Max um, or Pedro, you know, however you want to call him, yeah. um, the basically the version, the Trump of the '80s, basically, is what they they they've been calling him. The political circles. Yeah, I definitely uh, caught that too. Yeah. Um, but, oh, good. I thought I was the only one. I was like, you know? are they trying to spin this about politics now? Well, and that's the thing. Well, and I watched it on January 6th and January 7th. Those were the two days I watched it. So I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's like perfectly timed, I think. You're like, is it appropriate or not? I don't know right now. (laughs) This was supposed to be released in the summer, remember? Because like during the summertime, we got the, you know, Vanity Fair gave it like four out of five stars and, Mm -hmm. you know, Rotten Tomatoes certified it fresh and, you know, all the the Hollywood Insider, you know, this is the Wonder Woman Woman movie we need. You know, it was all these reviews. And then... Like you said, it gets released in December, and you watch it in January, and that's the one thing I keep hearing talk about, the parallels to, like, our current it, political... It's crazy. It's just crazy. It's one of those weird little quirks of circumstance that, I mean, it's just nuts how yeah. that all played out. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, she wrote it, what, two, two and a half years ago? And yeah. It yeah. Last year, I think. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things about the writing of this process, and I think about the person, the, the lady who wrote it, was also the fact that you have to ask, and I know this is uh, something that you'll both want to probably bring into play here. Is it meta or is it just tropey? Because she uses a lot of tropes from the 80s, right? I mean, the switched body with Steve, the, the you know, nerdy girl who's just a hot mess, becomes hot, sexy chick, and everybody likes her. Yeah, and, yeah the you can't buy me love uh, pro, right. right? You know, right. real nerdy, and you're like, oh, all you need to do is just like take off these black rim glasses, comb your hair, and that's it, right? Right. Which is something I loved about the first movie is there's a scene where she's like getting, you know, they're putting her in normal clothes, quote unquote normal clothes, and and you know. Chris Pine's character is like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And he hands her a pair of glasses. And his assistant goes, oh, what? Because she's wearing a pair of specs. She's no longer the most beautiful woman in the world. Like, I was like, thank you, because I wear glasses. And I had to wear them as a kid. And that was a massive, you know, blow to confidence. Mm -hmm. Is that movies always said the girl wasn't pretty till the glasses were gone. Right. And it's really cool to see that. Yeah, that's and that's just a bad stereotype. I'm sorry. I mean, all, two out of three of us on this show right now wear glasses, so screw you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have feelings too. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, it was kind of like, and also that first movie kind of had the subtle humor about it. It wasn't like throwing it in your face, right? Like when she, when when Diane asked her what she did, she's like, "I'm a secretary. I basically do all this stuff for him." Oh, she's like, "Oh, where I come from, they're called slaves." And she goes, "I really like her. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really like her." <laughs> and I think that's kind of the separation from the first to second movie too, right? It's yeah, like, I didn't find it. I didn't find it in this one. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's kind of it's it's not as subtle. It's a lot more blatantly shoved visually rather than conversationally the, the talking isn't there the dialogue isn't quite there except for of course going back to Kristen's point you know the relationship between Steve and Diana and they just there's just so much chemistry there oh yeah it, it could be just a couple sentences and it's just like well it's Chris Pine I mean well it's they're fantastic they really they bring those scenes to life they yeah. really just they do a, fin- a phenomenal job. Yeah, no, absolutely. But on the downside, so there's a couple of things. Go on, because I know you're gonna you're gonna pull out your three things, and and you're gonna. Uh, do you remember your three things? I do remember <laughs> my three things. Yes. Thank okay, you, right. sir. Your your um, trifecta <laughs> of evil to this great yes. movie. Evil. Now, wh- one of the things for me for any movie is, can you get sucked into it? Right. The the the. It's a superhero movie, so you have to put a little bit of suspension of disbeliefs on the shelf. You know that. You're going to go into it like that. For me, though, however, there were three scenes in particular, which I'm going to just throw out there right now because you guys already know what they are, that really kind of pulled me out of the movie for a second to the point where I yelled at the screen. Um, And I did. I I was like, come on. Really, guys? That's – no. So the the three scenes for me was um, the fireworks scene. The um, when they're in bed together scene and she finally after we should stay in bed forever. Yes, forever. And she's like, yeah, well, you should figure out why you've, you're back. I was like, freaking a you're, come on. You're smarter than that. You should be that should be your first question before you sleep with some strange man. That's sort of a man. you knew <laughs> right. uh, so, I mean, that was, Wow. Seriously, man. Right? You don't realize how hard I want to interrupt right now. But go on and finish the sentence. <laughs> Go on and finish your thoughts, Robert. I'll let you finish your thoughts. I know, I know. And then you can have at it. And then the third thing for me, of course, is I believe it was the jet plane going from Cairo, Egypt, and back again. Where the heck is it getting its fuel from? Because there's no fuel available. And I really don't think that's how it works. I really don't think it could travel that far, that fast. Like a day from Egypt? I, I just don't feel it could do that. So obviously that's maybe a lack of knowledge, which is, of course, where... Ernie comes in. <laughs> uh, and why didn't they blow up in the fireworks? That's the other one. That's right. a fireworks scene. Why didn't they blow up? All right. So I will address your point number one about the whole body thing. And we were talking about this, and it was something that I noticed when I was watching the movie because of being the 80s. And the whole, like, you know, you have Kristen Wiig's character, dorky, unnoticeable, like she's trying to get the attention of the guy with the pop collars, you know. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to give her the time of day, but, like, Diana walks in the room, instant, right? Instant attention. Um, But then as, you know, as the movie progresses, you know, she makes her wish to be more like Diana. And I guess she doesn't realize that Diana is also Wonder Woman. She gets not only, like, that confidence and everything, but she also gets that agility and, I guess, that grace, you would call it, right, Kristen? To, like, move in a room? Yeah, yeah. The way she draws attention and, yeah. Yeah. Charisma. The charisma. 
There um, you go. So she gets all that. So that's that's a whole bunch of movies from the 80s. You know, that's all pulled from the 80s. Then the next thing is the body switching thing. You have Tom Hanks and Big, Freaky Friday, uh, you and me, you know, Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. You know, mm-hmm. someone's jumping into someone else's body and controlling them. And, you know, Tom Hanks, you know, going from being a, a 12-year-old kid to being like a like a 30-year-old adult. Right. And, you know, there's a little – there's now in the eyes of, like, the new millennium – I don't know if it's millennials. I don't know if you can still blame them or it's this current generation now that they look at that movie. They're like, hey, she slept with a 12-year-old boy. Isn't that kind of creepy? <laughs> I, mean, I actually thought of that a while back. Like, okay, questionable, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, you 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 put it out there like it's just a movie, right? It's just a movie, and and now they're now they're going back and they're reexamining it with like today's like focus, right? Right. And, and of course, when I saw after the movie, I saw the reviews too, and that was the one thing that kept repeating itself. So I don't know if they just kept copying over each other's reviews. And just jumping on that train to derail this. Um, but what I noticed what the difference was, was almost immediately, Steve Trevor was the one that was like, yeah, um, I don't know why I'm back, but we got to figure out how to make this right again, because this isn't right. In all right. those other movies, they basically went with it, right? Mm-hmm. It was good right. to switch bodies. It was good to be, like, young again. You know, I was 80 and now Thank I'm 18. Yeah. yeah. No big deal. No harm, no foul. Steve himself was like distraught for almost the entire movie. He kept pushing Diana to figure this out. And she's like, I kind of like you being around. Right. You know, I've been I've been alone for the last 70 years. Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about. If we do the math. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I got the feeling that part of that was him recognizing that she was not moving forward. That yeah, she, you know, she was holding on to it and being held back by her grief, and it's hard. So I, I definitely, <clears throat> I got that. But there was that moment of going, well, what does the dude who actually owns that body think? <laughs> 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 but the, uh, the moral, the moral issue here of where it, he yeah, goes. It's the gray. It's the bit. <laughs> this is slightly gray area with that that part. I, I myself, I'm like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me some other dude's going to take over my body and I'm hooking up with Gal Gadot? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not seeing too many downsides here, you know? But what if you In, didn't remember? Yeah, that's the whole thing. You're not, it's not really you. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just your body, yeah. You know, like, I, I got, like, I was, like, kind of torn for, like, a brief second because I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, I'd be so happy. Oh, wait a minute. It wouldn't be me. Never mind. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's like <laughs> you're cheating on yourself. It's a tricky, it's tricky times, and that's a kind of a tricky topic. So I could see how it'd be a really big red flag for others, and then some people not. And you know, I I think it's important to be understanding when it is a red flag and to recognize it. But it's also important to be like, hey, I get that you like this movie, and that there was something about it that you connected with and made you feel good. I think you know it's okay for us to see both sides of that argument. Yeah. For for well, me, for me being a fan of like the first movie and. I didn't know that he was going to die in the way that he did, right? Mm. Uh, Because in the comics, he's he's throughout her whole story. He never dies in any of her comics. Mm. Um, There's always a Steve. Yeah, there's always Steve. 
Um, so when he died in the first movie, I'm like, well, shoot, man. Chris actually pulled this one off. He didn't, like, phone it in like his other roles that he does. Yeah. Um, he actually, This guy is, like, actually Steve, is actually Steve, right? And mm-hmm. then they were bringing him back. I was like, yeah, that's impossible. He blew up in the plane. Right. It's impossible. And then I got to thinking, and Robert and I had this discussion over many times, you know, oh, yeah. contemplating how they were going to bring him back. And I was like, Martian Manhunter, right? And, I, thought, and, I, and I will say, I, I was it was one of my, my irritations. It's like, why are they bringing him back? It better be a really good reason, because I'm going to be pissed if it's something stupid. <laughs> yeah, because you could introduce, you know, Martian Manhunter, who is part of the Justice League, and um, not one of the founding members, but he does come along. Um, and you can introduce some like that. And because it's the eighties, the big bad in the eighties were the Russians. So maybe it could be like a spy thriller, like us against them. And, you know, that'd be kind of cool because, you know, Captain America basically did all of that in the Marvel universe, you know, with their Hydra, which was just their new Nazis. Right. It was basically, you know, World War II all over again. Right. And, and, um, led by evil Elrond. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter what character he plays, he's fantastic. Oh, it's a shame he couldn't come back in the other movies, though, as Red Skull. He, he it was didn't somebody want to do else. the makeup again. Oh. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of work. Who did yeah. Who did the Red Skull at the, uh, was it Endgame, or? It was in both. Both, he, yeah. Both, yeah. I forgot was... the name of the actor, but he, he doesn't look anything like him. No. It's just, um, it's, I guess it's the accent that's pretty mm. close. Pretty close, yeah. But yeah, that's sad. But yeah, no, he's he's an amazing actor. Yeah. So, <laughs> but 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 for me, like bringing him back, like when when she first sees him, like well, first it she the way they the way Patty Jenkins kind of did that scene, it was that weird, you know, the guy walks up to her. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, and actually that they did it in a very clever and interesting way. I liked the way that they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of like uh, the Suicide Squad when um when when the when the sorceress right am I saying mm. oh, enchantress 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 yeah when she's in the in the briefing room and and she summons the enchantress and you see her hands like flip over the other hands and it's her right like, oh, it's, yeah that's why I was like wow it's almost on those same lines they did it so cool it was like a like a sweeping camera pan like one minute yeah. the other guy and when when she when she like her eyes open up wide, it's him. Right. Yeah, and it was really, I mean, ultimately it was such a simple thing. This wasn't something that required a ton of computer graphics or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just a very simple, and I thought poetic, solution to showing that that transition in her perception. Yeah, It wasn't right. even what he really looked like. It was her perception that changed. Yeah, and, she, and, you know, you're thinking in your mind already, you're like, wait a minute, she should be seeing the other guy. But when she automatically, like, speaks it into existence, right, she says, all I see is you. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. like, Which oh, that's nice. so touching. I was like, yeah. I, I felt the feels at that moment right there. Oh, and that's, that's the thing. Yes, yes. Well, and that's the thing about the movie. And, and the, the downside and the upside of it is kind of the same thing, is that there's some great character moments. There's some great moments in it. But there's also a lot of stuff that just – I'm sorry. It's so bloated. There's so much stuff in there you just don't need. It didn't need to be there. Like the whole uh, – uh, the, the, the scene where they're fighting the, the, the cars in the, in the, in the, the uh, desert. Scene. The highway scene yeah. with the, in the Egypt. 
I mean, that brought about so much controversy of itself, which is all kind of whatever. I'm not even going to touch that. But that right. scene wasn't – now, with a scene represented was needed, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think it needed to be there. I don't think they needed the whole Cairo, Egypt jet plane bullflop to make the movie complete. The car chase was really, really long, um, especially when it was ultimately to demonstrate that she was losing her strength, her physical strength and her abilities and everything. It was very, very long to demonstrate that because you really actually don't get a good, strong grasp of that until sort of the end of it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think that's also just Hollywood loves their car chases. (laughs) I guess. But you could have done it in the streets of Washington. It would have been a lot more exciting. And I just felt you'd have a lot less controversy about it. I don't know. I just felt it wasn't... And I guess... I guess, I guess one of your thoughts on this, because I feel I feel one of the things in this movie, because of the whole, you know, the monkey's paw thing, right, which I feel is a really valuable point, and a lot of people took it as, well, you shouldn't have dreams, you shouldn't make wishes, the truth is the truth, and everything else is just nonsense, and you shouldn't do it, which isn't quite exactly, yeah. it's a little simplification, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, I felt, though, there was a lot of moral ambiguity about the point of what the moral point of the movie was in a lot of places, even though they were there, but I felt they kind of got, like, lost in everything think, going on. I really picked up on it, and I think this is actually why a lot of people didn't like it. But, I mean, the deeper thing that they were saying, and I think it's actually a really important message right now in particular, is don't sacrifice those good things about yourself. Don't be willing to compromise what's good about yourself and good about the world in order to get, you know, to be so hyper-focused on this one goal, like this mm-hmm. one wish, this one dream. And I think that's actually a really important message to listen to right now. Don't, you know, and, and don't underestimate and undervalue what you already have because you don't have this, you know, perfect dream come true thing. Right, and that's that's a key piece of it. Now, with there's being so much, there's still again, as I said, these little gems. I mean, I now Ernie, you never did answer my question. The plane thing. Oh, because that took me out. That took me out of the. All right, so they, they they're at the. If I'm not mistaken, they're at the Air and Space Museum, the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, right? Yeah, because those ships are fueled up, of course, sitting on the tarmac, right? You gotta suspend. You gotta suspend all that, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying. And just the fact that you're talking about a guy who at who at best flew like stuff that was made in the 1918, right? Yes. Those type of planes, still right. made of fabric and balsa wood. Right. Um, so now he's going to fly a uh, a British-made tornado, right? Now here's the thing to think oh. about. Now I don't think this people remembered this, but there was a hot moment when he was looking through the life of the person that he was, or whose body he was in. Yeah, because he was there for what a day. But that person's body, if I remember correctly, was some sort of engineer. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I thought about this because, yes, him learning to fly a plane in like two minutes seems really, really far-fetched. Hey, right? that, that plane is not like, you know, a Cessna where you right. just have a couple preset things. There's a lot of avionics you got to understand. <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's a lot of right. switches and buttons on this <laughs> dashboard. <laughs> but if the person whose body he was in was an engineer, you could theoretically t- 
take a little bit of a leap and say, okay, because they're an engineer, they may have been a flight engineer, and because of that, then maybe they would have some instinct of how to apply a modern plane. It's it's a push. Let's go with it though. Yeah, yeah. I'll be with that. All right. So so we get past we get we get past the fact that he can now fly a a modern uh, modern style aircraft. Sure. Your issue is flying through the fireworks. You were worried that it would knock it out of the air. Or explode. Yeah, no, that won't happen. Okay. Um, so you could do that in real life now. Go out to a fireworks show, take yeah, a jet, it would, it would fly it low it. enough that you're going into the fireworks and not have any problems. Fireworks are just basically ash and cinder when they explode. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing the, the remnants of, of that powder and whatever chemicals that they put inside of the firework like displaying out. Um, mm-hmm. What will happen is that it will bounce off of the shell off of the fighter jet. The fighter jet's designed to like have a little bit of armor on it. Mm. Okay. You know, so it bounce off of that. Okay, so fine. The fuel, what, I agree yeah. with you. It's a stretch yeah. of the fuel. High, so a far I, stretch, right? I was, well, yeah. yeah. It doesn't have that much range. Even That's if it. it had the external fuel tanks, which it didn't, mm-hmm. um, it still couldn't fly from D.C. to the northern coast of Africa. Right. <laughs> well, and that's my thing is, and that partially goes back to, again, why did that scene need to exist? What was the point of that whole Egypt part? It well, she was going back to an ancient land. I don't know, maybe, <laughs> you know, because she's ancient herself. I guess. Also, um, the car chase, and I just thought of this actually while we were talking about it. I, I remember thinking about it when I was watching the movies. Um, but it did actually a little bit remind me of some of the stuff you saw in Indiana Jones movies. So I'm maybe that was another little bit of a shout out. Like and you have to say the line, Robert. You have to maybe. Say yeah, you got to. Yeah, basically, it belongs in a museum at that point. I mean, is that what we're going for here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was very. It was eerily similar. You're right, Kristen. Yeah. It, it yeah. harkened back to uh, the um, the the last one. Well, I can't say the last one. The third movie. Yes. Um, the Last Crusade, where. Yeah, he was fighting on the road with him, right? Yeah, yeah. Or am I thinking the first one? He did that in every one. There's Indiana always Jones, a scene. Andy, yeah, that. There's going to be fighting on cars, even in the last one, which was Aliens, yeah. which I know wasn't your favorite. I enjoyed it. There still well, was fights in a car. I, I said, I said, I enjoyed it. It's definitely not one of the top in the top two. I can tell you that now. That's fine. That's fine. But okay, so we have some good points. We have some bad points. But I want to go but into. But if you're focused in on that, yes. is my my whole point is yes. that there's a bigger problem. If you're focusing on, hey, do you think they could just stop and get some gas for the jet? But see, that's the thing where stuff like superhero movies and and fantasy, where you really are doing a lot of suspension of disbelief, but. Because of that, it's almost more important to make those little details accurate. Mm. Because those things are going to, you're already going, okay, like, you know, okay, it's a superhero, she's flying through the air and everything. Or, you know, in fantasy, okay, they're flinging magical bolts at each other. So you're already, you're in the headspace of you're going to excuse those things. But then you're going to hyper-focus in on if the, the realistic elements of that world are not realistic. <laughs> it's it's really important that. to be realistic on the things that actually would be in this world. Because they help those unrealistic things be believable. 
Right. It has to be grounded, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I give yeah. you that. But like like I said, I was just so wrapped up in the movie. Like to me, the yeah. Invisible <laughs> Jet was like the throwback to, like I said, to the fans like myself who right. remember the show back in the 70s and, and 80s when it was a live action show with Linda Carter and, right. she, and she had the Invisible Jet. Right. No, absolutely. And, 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 and then you had to realize that at some point in time, she loses the invisible jet nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. And she flies herself because in the comics, she does fly. Right. Which, again, if you're going into this movie, which was kind of one of my things, you're going into this movie and you're watching that scene. It's like, what the hell? She never flew. What the, what the frick? She's, she's lassoing lightning? Yes, it looks amazing. Oh, that was so cool. That to me in the trailer – I was like, she's moving so fast that she could grab the lightning and move along. That well, to me is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was a cool scene. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was a beautifully visual scene. I've I never just... seen anyone else do that. Would you have ever thought that? If they gave you a no. million dollars and say, here's Wonder Woman, do something original, would you have done that? Probably not. Well, and it does play into the whole thing that she is 50, 60% God, basically-ish. I mean, yeah. so it does play into that, and I feel that's kind of the cool thing here is she she and again it goes back to the Indiana Jones thing a little bit. You know, she found this the the, the villain she's really fighting in all of these the two movies. I mean, the first one she physically fights, which was kind of a myth fight she scene. Fought, but I mean, she fought her uncle basically. She fought her uncle, who was basically a god. Um, and then in this movie she fought basically a relic of a god. So. She's fighting all these old gods, which is something they kind of brought up at one oh, at that one point. Old when gods, yes. Yeah. The old gods, I know your favorite thing, yes. is that they could literally open up a whole world of all these other – because they talked about the imbued objects, right? Yeah. She yeah, like they, wanted to, like they were some members of the old gods that did not like man, so mm-hmm. they imbued these objects with like some sort of – what they say? A little bit of themselves? Right, and you never knew their purpose or their point or what they're trying, right. what their what their thing was. That's so cool because that could lead into a whole bunches of stories. Right, and that's why I think this was definitely a transition story. It was a bridge story, and mm. a lot of times those are not very popular until like you see what they were building up, and then you can kind of go back and look at it and go, okay, this was actually a lot better than I realized. I just didn't understand what they were doing. I still I still have the same feelings about The Matrix Part 2. Yeah. So I still have the same feelings. Some of my favorite speeches ever. But Never. <laughs> yes. So much talking. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is going on? Another speech? What is happening? Some great speeches. I would love if I had the mind for it to be able to memorize those and just start iterating them out on meetings. Oh, just, <laughs> there's a balance equation. And just go for it. I I can't. I would never oh, be able to love to be able to. Do that. But one of the things that I thought, one of the things that I thought that Wonder Woman eighty four didn't have that the first one had, it didn't have that Wonder Woman moment, right? Uh, in the first one, uh, remember they were they were trying to get to um, that that town in Germany, but they had to cross oh, the front right. line. and they were like, and she's like, well. That's where Ares is. That's where the front is. I got to go that way. And, and Steve Terrell says, no, that's no man's land. Like, we've been fighting for four years for six feet. Like, yeah. no, it's called no man's land. And she just 
goat takes off the coat and walks up the ladder. <laughs> I, know, I love that. <laughs> and like that moment to me was like, holy cow. And she takes on that entire like front line that was like literally feet away. Yeah. And she took them on single handedly, took out the, the sniper in the roof and everything. And I was just like, wow, that like blew my mind. This movie didn't have that. And I thought they were going to do that in that chase scene with the tank. Because that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, that's where that moment's going to come from. But it wasn't. It was right. So to me, it was kind of a letdown there. So. Well, and I was thinking about, and the second time I watched this, I was thinking about it. The ending when she defeats the big bad guy, she doesn't do it with like this big epic battle like we're used to seeing in mm-hmm. superhero movies. She did it by appealing to the goodness of everyone. By appealing right. to the general, you know, goodness and to hope. Yeah. So I think that hope. there were just yeah. a lot of things that, like, it didn't go the way the traditional superhero movie went. It didn't necessarily give, if somebody was going to a superhero movie, they didn't necessarily get what they wanted out of it if they wanted that huge, big, defeat the bad guy battle. Which yeah. I actually liked about it. I thought... This is cool. This is actually, she's winning through something that's deeper than physical strength. She's winning in a way that, you know, we can win nowadays, like, <laughs> by appealing to something better. And that's so, int- and again, that's such an interesting, such an interesting thing to think about with these types of movies of, again, going back to the reviews of it, just not getting that at all. Um, the nice, the one nice review, and I will point pop this out there is you know it was really about um roger ebert's review was one of the better ones out there like the really nice review and i know roger ebert's no longer alive but it was on his website um and i'll call it out because it was it was really well done it was a really nice take of what the movie was really about uh christy lemire i don't know who she is but i liked her review and it really, she really did talk about, you know, there were some problems. There definitely was some problems with it, though. And every movie has them. Of every course. Movie has them. Every. But, right, and I think except for Empire Strikes Back, that movie well, perfect. Exactly. Uh, um, but it really, it really is about, you know, the wanting of everything, and that's kind of the theme of it is the wanting of everything. Yes, the '80s is a good backdrop for it, but the wanting of everything and, and the cost of wanting everything and what that really means. And the '80s is a perfect time to place it for that. But I mean. You know, you can't really place things more modern because it doesn't have some of the drama that you would have from those times because you don't have the same thing, right? Right. You know, it, it's kind of an interesting piece. But I feel is that a lot of the parts of the movie that really were great could get lost in a lot of the parts of the movie that just were so not needed. Like – I know for like one of the minor things, and you, I, want, I want to get your fo- uh, thoughts on this, Kristen, because it really is something that you as a female would, would kind of get. The okay. depiction of the men specifically, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go into this. In the movie, not really a big spoiler, but it is something that's a big piece of it, is the hyper-sexualized men and them constantly hitting on women, right? Like mm-hmm. every two seconds. I'm not that guy. I don't know those guys. Right. So is that really something that's – I mean, again, from a point of ignorance because, again, I've, I'm not one of those people. I've never done that. I'm usually pretty <laughs> shy around females. I mean, it's just right. who I am. 
is that something that occurs? Is was it realistically depicted in that movie? You know, as far um, as those times or now or at all? You do you do run into it as a woman. You do run into it. Um, you know, just for one, they're generally incredibly clueless about what they actually have to offer. <laughs> I'm going to be mean in that regard. But yes, you do run into I I'm a massive introvert. Like I'm I'm great in this area or if I'm um, you know, at a con or talking about my books, but if it's just me in my regular everyday clothes, my my uh secret identity clothes. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, I'm I'm more of an introvert and I don't I I like smaller groups. So I don't run into it as often um but I do. You you run into it. I've run into it at Rin Fairs, at, at Comic-Cons. Not quite as much as at Comic-Cons. Weirdly, you would think that you would end up seeing it more there. Um, just because, you know, a lot of times those female superhero outfits are very skimpy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, but all the guys that go to those things are nerds and aren't too shy to do anything. And I think I have a little too much respect for, oh, my God, she's a great character, rather than, oh, my God, she's hot. <laughs> You would hope, anyways. Okay, so sure. I mean, maybe they, I maybe they're thinking and they just don't have the like the, yeah. the confidence to, to yeah. go up and talk that, about it. But yeah, saying. you run, you you do run into it, and you do run into um, situations that are scary because mm-hmm. the word no is not being respected, and even if they're not like forcibly trying to get you to do something, you know, violent. it's still a lot of pressure and and it it's scary i i don't think well also in the part of the country i live in i probably just it's a less populated part of the country so i probably Mm. do run into it a lot less than um say somebody who lives in in like a larger city um but it, it is there i think sometimes it's it's sort of uh more of a joke in movies and stuff right, than right. actually being realistically depicted on on how uncomfortable it, it is. And then there really are just some guys that are really awkward and they, they think they're being suave or they're trying to be suave, but it's really just failing miserably. So it's it's a situational... You know, I've run into both, where the guy just honestly, he just really... You could tell he he was trying but failing miserably because mm. like he was i don't know modeling the behavior that come on lines after really bad <laughs> behaviors to model it off of and yeah, then you have yeah. the ones where the you are just an object to be won a prize to be won something to be mm. conquered and i i really i'm not some i i tend to assume the best about people i do not assume that every guy that I meet is is going to be doing that. I tend to assume most of them are not, but they, there are the few out there, and you do run into them. So, you know. And it probably was a lot more prolific in the 80s because of the environment at that point in time. You know, there wasn't so many – there hadn't been as many movements and, you know right. – Learn I mean, I was just a little kid in the 80s, so, like, no. I, I didn't experience it then, but speaking yeah. to it, it now, I, yeah, it, it does happen. Yeah, so it probably was probably worse then, because, again, I was 
born in 78, so I was a kid then, too. The only one here who might remember some of it is Ernie, who was, like, what, 25 that time frame? Oh, boy. <laughs> let, let me tell you something <laughs> about the 80s, all right? You go ahead, Grandpa. You let all us right. know. All right. I was, I was uh, let's see, in 1984, I was 10, okay? So... <laughs> Yeah, you, you were the man at 10, all right? That's how all it right, was. All right, I was 10. But, like, but, but I remember going on, like, my first date, like, in the 80s, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and it was still always about, like, you know, being polite to women and, like, you know, opening the door, you know, helping them into a car, if see them carrying something heavy. It was all, a lot of that. But what I saw in the movie, though, were, was the drunk guy. He made his appearance a couple times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Did she end up killing him, do you think? No, she just beat the living crap out of him. Okay. Probably, <laughs> sure. to, probably to an he inch of his life. Sure. Okay. I wasn't quite sure if they killed him in that that scene of him. Squirming around on the ground, I was watching. There was a part of me that was like, "Yeah, girl, get him." And then I was like, "Okay, okay." That's I enough. I think you got him. Go <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah. Next. There's what there was one side of me that was like, "I hope that guy gets what he's got coming to him," right? And Diana pretty much put him in his place that one time. Sure. But then, I mean, like, he the... clearly didn't completely learn his lesson and needed a, a bit more butt kicking. Well, <laughs> he also had liquid courage, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and. Well, what... maybe because the first time when Diana did it, he was drunk and maybe he just didn't remember his butt getting handed to him. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I mean, the second time around, I think she traumatized this guy to the point because. She beat him to like an inch of his life where Oh yeah, he was her, was her only friend, quote unquote I'm doing the air quotes. I don't right. know why no one can see me. Uh, <laughs> we can we can all see you in your in our mind eye then it's okay. <laughs> uh you know, he's like the voice of reason all of a sudden, right? He he appeals to her and you can kind of see like the whole trope of the movie, like you're losing yourself for your wish, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. You know, I think at that point she kind of realized it, but I don't think she realized it to a point of, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this because I'm still a person. She was like, I'm, I better not do this because this this guy saw what I did. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so I was thinking that and I thought that choosing her for introducing her in, in this movie, I thought was great. I wish we would have saw more of her in her cheetah form. I agree. I think that, I think that Kristen Wiig, like and doing the dark stuff. I think that she, she just was a little bit wasted. Isn't the right word because she did such a phenomenal job. I don't want to apply wasted, but she wasn't utilized as much as she could have been, especially yeah. for how well she did with the role. I just hope it doesn't end up being like Darth Maul. Where it's like, this is probably the most interesting, like, bad guy we've seen in Star Wars for a long time. And he had that epic battle, and he's done. Yeah. Right? So but he, he did come back in other in other things. Yeah. True. Yeah. Due to, due to the fans that kept, like, you know, really hounding on George, right? Mm-hmm. They basically were saying, you got rid of one really good bad guy, right? He was Yeah. Awesome. I don't know. I watched it, and I'm like... Well, I mean, he's got a cool lightsaber and he's got like some some nifty look, but really he hasn't spoken or done anything, and I'm not quite sure why everyone's losing their mind. <laughs> well, everyone cool. lost their mind in in, uh, in Solo. That was the big uh, like yeah, yeah. 
Solo to see to see what happens. And I watched Solo with that thing. And I'm like, oh, it's Darth Maul. I don't know why everyone was losing their their stuff though. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, but I really thought like, had we seen her more as Cheetah, like the like Cheetah from the comics, the like the actual like arch nemesis to Wonder Woman, right? Right. I, th- I think it probably would have changed the dynamics of the movie even more. Even though and I, I think that we might see more of her in future movies because, and no one else heard this because the thing didn't record, but they <laughs> they made a point of showing all of these different people, minor, minor characters that just like made the little wish. They made a point of showing them say, I renounce my wish. They made a point of showing the other bad guy, of Max saying he renounced his wish. We see her looking different we see her no longer looking so animalistic we don't hear her say i renounce my wish and she made the wish on the stone before max wished to be the stone and the animalistic really savage stuff came as a result of max doing that trade-off and instead of taking all of the trade-off for himself saying he wanted some of that to go to her. And that's when she became animalistic and everything. So Mm -hmm. I I think there is a chance we will still see her because I don't know that she actually renounced her initial wish, which was made before Max's wish. Well, that also works the same for Max's son too, who made the wish on him to have his greatness. I had the feels for like that whole story between Max and his Mm -hmm. son. I was just like, oh my gosh. And, And his son, like, I just want more time with you. I was like, yeah. oh, gosh. I had to look up at the ceiling. I felt the tears. Yeah. The tears. I mean, the son didn't renounce his wish, but Max did renounce his wish. So, I mean, I guess it depends on whether or not Max renouncing his wish undoes every wish that he granted. Because if it undoes all of the wishes that he granted, then it would undo his son's wish as well. Because his son wished once Max was already the wishing stone or whatever it was called. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what was it called anyways? We, uh, the Dreamstone. The Dreamstone. It was actually called the Dreamstone. And what the interesting thing, though, is if that's true, if if Max renouncing his wish made everybody else not need to renounce their wishes, then why did everybody else have to renounce their wish? Well, they renounced him before he did, and then he finally gave in. Mm. So I think it was like a, was making the point out that of she every was, orifice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, I think we, she, yeah. it was making the point that she was reaching these other people with her whip. Right. With the truth. She restored yes. hope. She restored hope to the world again. Yeah. Well, and, and truth, I think, and that's kind of, I, if you have to take away a moral, which you don't, for this type of movie, again, it reminds me of BVS in that there's so many good stories. You, you got to make it, you got to give room for those stories. It's kind of what, how it happened, unfortunately, with the last Star Wars trilogy. You know, a lot of people hated on it because it was kind of all over the place. Again, it was one of those, they're trying to cram in so much that you don't get a chance to feel for any of it because you're all over the place. And I think, you know, and it certainly suffered. You could tell that it it suffered from the fact that I don't think there was actually a full, like there were so many people with different visions of where it was going to go, that there wasn't Mm -hmm. actually necessarily a creative um, consensus. And then the third movie, honestly, they just, they did the very best that they could, and I respect the way they um, handled Carrie Fisher's passing. But you can tell that that did really alter the movie that we were originally intended to get. Mm-hmm. But they did the best that they could, and they showed her an incredible amount of respect 
And so, like, I'm not going to fault them for that in the last movie. But it it definitely, it had its flaws. I'm not a huge fan of the, the new trilogy, but I do, yeah. it has its, its flaws. Well, and again, I think the thing, the thing with that, and again, with this movie, if it ends up, as you said, becoming a trilogy and there is a third installment, and I'm sure we'll get one, and I'm hoping they keep it, try, try and keep it consistent with this one. That's my hope. Right. You know, that if it's not the same people that come back, that at least they keep the, the core of the story the same. Because, you know, if a different person comes in, like with Star Wars, it can really screw up a movie. If a different director or a different producer comes in, it can really mess it up. But if they keep it alive enough and they tie enough stuff back in the, tr- right. in the third part to this, then as you said, it could really become kind of a fan favorite right. post the third movie. But we're talking right. what? You know, five years down the road at least. Who knows? Yeah. Well yeah. I mean I think I think uh, the first part of the movie, like when they were back on Themyscira mm-hmm. and everything else, if they pull another one of her memories, because I like I what I thought we were gonna see was like her being like her time being on the on the island, like Going from the little kid to the young adult to the young lady, you know, and like doing all the stuff that that she was showing, like going against the other, you know, heroes of the Amazon, you know, the great warriors, you know, mm-hmm. all those crazy Olympic style like things, running running up the side yeah. of the mountain and things. Right, um, I could do that if I wanted to. I just oh I, I, sure. I oh wow. <laughs> of course, we believe that completely. Part yeah, Amazonian, yeah, that's sure. great. And, and they brought back the original cast, even though like she's no longer, you know, even though she was killed off in the first movie, they brought her back again in, in that memory. I'm just hoping they bring her back again to show us something else. Right. You know, yeah, and I think another it's lesson. Message. Yeah, I think it's important to have those kind of moral lessons. Again, I. I feel like they did a lot of things good, but I felt that in some of the stuff, like the sexism to a certain extent, the lesson of truth, they somehow, sometimes they didn't – again, the first movie was all very subtle, but it was there. Right. I felt they more food uh, – spoon-fed us this time. Right. It didn't I, hit the mark for you. Yeah, I just – and that's it. I mean was it a decent movie? Yes. Would I watch it again? Maybe. Well, you know, I, if, I'll, probably, I'll probably watch it again myself. I really, I really like the gold armor. I know everyone hated the gold armor. I like the gold armor. Although, okay, I did see a meme comparing it to Goldar from the Power Rangers, and I'm yes. like, okay, oh, I cannot oh. deny that. Oh, <laughs> yes. you had to go there. I saw it too. Yeah, oh, it that is sad. See, and that could have been her, as you put it, Ernie. That could have been her Wonder Woman moment. Yeah, it is her doing the armor, but they set it up in such a weird place. Right, I couldn't quite figure out how or when she got it. <laughs> well, that <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean, let's not go into that too. But right. you know, yeah. costume change. Well, okay, like in the like in the freaking when she's fighting the 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 cars in the desert, she's in her little loose little like white shirt thing, and all of a sudden she's in her uniform. Where'd that come from? Well, obviously, if you're superhero, you just always wear your uniform. Oh, okay. yeah, you ever, you ever seen Clark Kent? He just pulls open the suit jacket, and that's it. <laughs> yep, you know that's there. She doesn't really say, I'm always wearing my Wonder Woman costume under my clothes. Really? Uh, I, I, she, <laughs> it, she is an Amazon. She is an Amazon. So yes, you know. I, I feel that you'd see it because she's like an all-white shirt. You're going to see something. That's what, that's, that's what you're stuck on. Once again, it's a little thing. Point? I know. I mean, it is. There is a level of fun to picking apart the little realistic things and stuff that is otherwise completely unbelievable. There's like a level of fun, even if you liked the movie, 
mm-hmm. picking it apart. You know? yeah, yeah. Well, and it tells you how much you enjoyed it if you can pick it apart like that and point out those moments. It means right. you were paying attention to the movie. No matter how much you hate on it, you were watching it. Well, right. I you mean, know? also the ending. I know they, they were trying to, like, struggle to get the ending. And then when we had the end credit scene with uh, – what was her name? Hest- Hestia? 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 Hysteria. What was her name? Hysteria? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Okay, half the time I forget other characters in my own book's names. So, like, come on. Don't don't blame us for that. We were the same way. So, for some reason, like, we get the story from Diana about, like, the uh, the Amazon who gave her life to, like, save the other Amazons, right? Sure. Right, and right. I was never sure if they were saying wisteria or asteria. I wasn't. I wasn't actually. There was sort of. Like, I wasn't ever entirely sure how they were pronouncing it. In fairness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Close captioning okay. helps. It was with an A. Oh, okay. 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 There we go. So, so they tell the story, and I'm like, how are they going to work that in? She wears the armor. Okay, it's the same armor, and it, and it's got wings. She can use it like to defend herself and everything else. I thought the feathers were going to shoot out of it. They didn't. Um, they just like fell off of her like it like in a waterfall almost and um <laughs> but then like the end scene when you see the 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 crowd of people and everyone's happy again and then you see that little thing like start to fall toward that little girl and that person you see that hand grab it and you you notice it's a woman and when she turns around it's linda carter mm-hmm. that was awesome that was pure fan service there but oh, yeah. i was kind I was kind of, I mean, I, I thought the scene was very enjoyable, and I know a lot of people who love Linda Carter and think she's fantastic, and maybe she'll come back as that character again in some other movie. That'd be cool. But I was waiting, I mean, I know it's a Marvel thing, and I know it's my own fault, but I was waiting for a scene at the end, credits, that kind of gave a hint as to a little bit of what might be next. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to get a little bit of, oh, look, Max's son now has something funky going on with him or oh wait like like you see him like pick up a helmet and and he becomes ex-villain you know what i mean right something or you see uh to go back to the other thing you know you see the cheetah her walking around and wait a second she's jumping like you know i wonder what they would have done with her like what what prison would have held her you know what i mean well, either of those two characters they had they have to go pay for their what they did they have to on some level i mean again Pinning anything on either of them is probably pretty difficult in those days in general mm-hmm. because what can no you cell phone. really – well, no cell phone, no pictures really. <laughs> no social media. <laughs> no social media. Tweeting. Yeah. Who's, yeah. Who's going to pin what on them? Realistically, you can't even pin that much on Max because at that point, the only people that know about it are the government. You don't think the government's going to cover that shit up as quickly as humanly possible? Come on. Exactly, and then like you're no. also dealing with magical stuff. Like there's going to be that – they're going to be like, okay, so you expect us to charge them with what? Magic right. bad things? <laughs> exactly. You can't even. And that's kind of the fun of it. I mean, to a certain extent, is they kind of get off possibly scot-free. But you got to kind of feel like there's there is something missing as to what's next. And I, Again, again, it's a Marvel thing. It's not a DC thing. DC doesn't have to do what Marvel does. But I still like that kind of sense of there's more story coming. Don't worry, yes, there's more wait, story there's coming. More. <laughs> right. And but, I like that I, feeling, you know? I wanted to remind you you both about that uh, that thing I saw on Twitter from David Ayers, who was talking to Zack Snyder. And Zack Snyder had a picture of Wonder Woman from, like, the 1800s with, like, another crew. 
and mm-hmm. she's standing there like with the sword and in her other hand she has like four or five severed heads holding them by their hair yeah, so it's gonna get you an r rating though i was like they they should if they built it around that now he said i'm sorry they couldn't use it in this movie is what he was saying mm-hmm. and david ayers was like i remember you showing me this picture i remember losing my mind saying you gotta make this happen mm-hmm. <laughs> so and i'm fine with that that'd be cool and I, I do wonder if maybe part of the, the negative reaction to it, it is possible there's come getting to be a little bit of superhero movie fatigue. Ooh. We've been having them for a long time. Doesn't mean that they're bad, doesn't mean that everybody's fatigued, but it is possible that in terms of like critics and, and your people who are just who enjoyed the superhero movies but aren't necessarily really into superhero movies, it may just be that we are hitting a point where that particular thing, there's just some fatigue for it. I know that I personally, honestly, I do have a little bit of superhero fatigue. Now, in Mm -hmm. fairness, mine is also sort of a little, like, uh, personally motivated because I'm like, hey, I was not done with the fantasy movie (laughs) era, guys. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you got you got uh, what was it? Amazon that paid like two billion dollars to get Tolkien, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm you're gonna have a Tolkien about. show. Yeah, it's something, I guess. Yeah. It's something. I don't know. After Game of Thrones, I think that a lot of fantasy fans are a little bit like, oh, but what is yeah. it? Well, that you know why? Because those two guys who wrote that last season, they were always like, look. We don't care anymore. We're writing another show for Disney called The Mandalorian. Yeah, and they're like, we got a Star Wars trilogy. And then all of the nerds everywhere were like, do not let them have it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. They are now public enemy number one. One. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they were. I remember the hate. I remember Mm -hmm. all that bile that was being thrown at them. It's like, these poor guys. Uh, I I had none of these poor guys toward them. I'm like, y'all had a great piece of real estate, and you got lazy, and and like you you did not hit the landing, and that is all on you. <laughs> yeah, no. At the end of the day, it, it really really is. Meanwhile, while they swim in this vault of marketing for me, because that right when people that came out and everyone was pissed off, my third book came out, like finishing the trilogy, and I'm like, hey. Guy, <laughs> here's a trilogy that does hit the ending. All right, the landing God, sticks here, baby. <laughs> the landing so wait, so so really. you would want more fantasy? Would you want like a Dungeon and Dragons revitalization? I would like any fantasy that's that's well done and well written and well well. Well, because they, they did The Witcher. I love The Witcher. Yes. Now, see, what's funny is I didn't read the book. I knew of the games, hadn't played them, didn't read the book. So I went in with no preconceived notions of what it was going to be. And my only complaint was that the, the jumping back and forth in time thing was really confusing at first. Oh, yeah. and it took a long time for me to figure out that that's what they were actually doing. It was, ah, okay. it confused it was a little confusing. But then once I did figure it out, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, because The Witcher doesn't age, really. Right. So you never well, know, you know. I've been a hand of, uh, fan of hack. I can talk, really. Yeah, I've you been can. a fan of Henry Cavill since oh. The Tudors. Oh, I, 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 I like, like 
that's where he won me. I didn't care that he was Superman. I was like, yeah, but he was Charles Brandon in the Tudors, and he had a sword. <laughs> I was I was that guy that was like, I, I saw the Tudors, and I'm like, this is kind of hard for me to get into. Maybe I got to watch a couple episodes. So I watched a couple episodes, and I think at the same time, you had a couple other shows competing with it, like Rome. Mm-hmm. And I watched Rome, and I tried watching Tudors, and I felt the Tudors was slow. Like, right. too drawn out for my taste. So yeah. I then, like, realized, okay, this guy, Henry, is getting a lot of press for this show. And then they say, I know, he's going to be Superman. I'm like, why? And then he became <laughs> Superman. And I'm like, yes. That is <laughs> <laughs> I, I love um, that particular era in history so for me i'm just like i'm gonna eat this up this is amazing <laughs> yeah hey you gotta, you gotta have your time frames you love right right uh, unlike me in the 80s but you know other time frames that are just as but amazing. i think i think you have the time ne- frames you love so there you go exactly. i think i think the this 80s. next wonder woman movie though has to be fast forward and i think she has to be in i think you have to bring in henry cavill i think you have to bring him in i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah, it's going to be strange. I mean, you're going to have to fast forward past BBS. And Batfleck. You got to bring in Batfleck, Cavill, and Momoa. You have to bring I those mean, three guys in. I would just say from the, the time gap between the first movie and the second movie that there's a good chance it will bring Wonder Woman to, you know, modern times in the third movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or they could do me a huge favor and go all the way backwards, right? And we have that same style of, like when her mother was reading her the story about like the ancient times. Mm-hmm. See, you okay. want a prequel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would, I, I would, I would, I would like that too. But I, I, like you said, transitional. I don't know where this is gonna go. Hopefully, it keeps going forward so we can end up with another Justice League. Even though the real Justice League is gonna be coming on HBO soon, my understanding. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, it's gonna be like a four-part series or something like that. Yes, okay. something like that. But speaking of prequels, I did want to give Kristen a hot moment. Yes. Go on. Because she is actually working in... on a prequel. Yay! <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I know you had this going a little bit, though. I think it was the last time we talked to you, you talked about it a little bit, but you've yeah, gotten I think I was like. In, in the writing process of the first draft, then. Right. So you're now actually moved way far along, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, um, I wrote the prequel, and it's it's a 550-plus page book. I mean, it will be well over 500 pages after editing and everything. It's difficult to say for sure because stuff gets taken out or added, so I never sure. know the exact number count till the editing's done. Um, I wrote it in three months. <laughs> insane. Wow. Uh, but in, in fairness, there was a lockdown. Yes, <laughs> fair so enough. Years. I was Fair absolutely enough. avoiding reality. <laughs> yes. No, I hear you. So uh, this takes place way in the past, though, right? As compared to the rest place, of the novels. Yes. It takes place 200 years before the trilogy, roughly 200 years before the trilogy. Um, and it uh, deals it it deals a lot more with the political um, atmosphere of mm-hmm. the uh, country that the trilogy is set in because – the time frame for the trilogy is literally within the reign of the very first king after this mm. this country has become a unified country. And okay. so, I mean, it it's told through the um, – it's sort of – all of that is a bit of a backdrop to, like, 
the other things that are in the book. It's definitely more of a character-driven story. It has fantasy elements in it, but they're a lot less. They're not really the focus. None of the main characters are magic users. None of them okay. are. They're just they're regular people um, nice. dealing with different things. But it it sets up. It, it is a prequel to the trilogy in the same way that The Hobbit is a prequel to Lord of the Rings, and that it's not necessarily like a direct path to what happens. But there are elements that certainly impact what happens. And sure. despite the massive time difference, there is one character in the prequel that is in the trilogy. Nice. And, you nev- and people will not guess who it is. Very oh. nice. Until they, until they read it. So uh, you know, the, I'm hoping, what I am hoping is when they get to that point, there's a brief moment of brain exploding. We or, hope. They're yelling at the book. (laughs) (laughs) Or if they read the prequel first, and this Mm. is where I think it will really hit people, if they read the prequel first and then read the trilogy, Ah. and get to the point where we see this character, it will be like a jaw-dropping moment, you know? Ah, But this character is actually really important to the trilogy, too. Oh, so you're giving us a little bit of George Lucas-style writing. A little bit, a little bit, with a little George R. R. Martin tucked in there, because okay. apparently, you know, people complained about how mean he was to his characters, and apparently my little imagination went, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold my beer. Hold <laughs> my beer. It's, it's, it's darker. It's edgier. Nice. Like, there's, you know, it has a lot of the stuff that people like in the trilogy as well, but it's darker. There's a lot, the, the world at that point, in you know that country at that point is just in a harsher period of time things are not peaceful and established like they are in the trilogy well until i kind of go (laughs) there you go so let me let me ask you because obviously you know you now have opened up if you will a 200 year old plethora of fun are you planning like to spend more time in this time frame with your books or is this kind of that's what you get, guys, and we'll see what comes next. <laughs> That's always – I'm never completely sure about – I know certain things I absolutely want to elaborate on. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew that with the trilogy, but they were stuff like – and the story now that, you know, I'm in the editing process with. Sure. I needed to tell it because there were things that I knew writing the trilogy, but there was no organic way to really fit it in. Got it. Um, right, it's like you always see the tip top of the iceberg, but there's so much more of the iceberg under right. the water that you'll never see. Right. So I I always know all of these different details and things, and sometimes more will come to that, and I'll go, hey, this is enough for a book. And other times, you know, not. Right. I I have considered maybe doing a collection of shorter sort of vignettes from the world and everything, oh, and nice. I, nice. but I I think story-wise for this world i actually intend to after the the prequel is out which is called the twisted the excuse me the twisted path after that i'm actually going to go back and write things that have happened after the trilogy uh with Mm. different characters different set of um different goals and everything there there will be some cameos of the of the characters from the trilogy the ones that you know are alive okay I'm not nice. gonna let you know who. No, lives please don't. Don't spoil it. No spoilers for your books. That's the truth. 
And you guys God, can. It's really hard, though. <laughs> yes, I know. It's going to be hard. I know. But uh, you guys can if you want to go purchase the books right now. The link will be in the comments section. So go ahead and click there, too. So you can yeah. actually not have to worry about spoilers here. You can go read them yourself. The trilogy is the Song of Souls trilogy. Soulbound, Soulfire, and Boundless. There you go. Nice, beautiful series, beautiful series of books. I love the story. Um, I'm excited to see what you do in the trilogy and, and moving forward. If you do short stories, I was because I'm I'm a I'm not published at all, but I do write. I do have some writings out there. And one of the things I I have this my final big novel, and I just finished it. I'm just getting as as you kind of would do, you know, as any writer would do, is like somebody read this, critique me, please. <laughs> and one of the things I'm doing is I have. Um, a book see site where I just publish my random nonsense and what I've been doing is little character profiles of the characters from the book oh that's fun so it's like little tiny smidgets of here's character X here's what they do for a living here's right. what they are it doesn't spoil any of the story but you get a little bit of a kind of a feel for that individual character and right. it sounds like that might be something you could do like these mini vignettes if you will, yeah. of little events that happen to the characters in right. the world that people are either familiar with or not to kind of get a point of, oh, that's why that, oh, okay, I see. And some of them, honestly, are just little things I know about the characters, just little moments in their lives, you know, mm -hmm. defining moments. And some of them aren't even defining moments. They're just little things I happen to know. There you go. I mean, they are your characters after all, so we'd hope you'd know them, They're right? my babies. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have children. I have books. My mother refers to them as her grand books. <laughs> there you go. It's, you know, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, we, we love having you as always. We enjoyed always it. Yeah, um, It's a great conversation, and I will say we will, of course, have you back. Uh, you have There's so many topics to talk with you about because you do so many cool things. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, we hope that you will grace well, you us again. Think <laughs> you make me sound like my life is so much cooler than it is. <laughs> well, it's much cooler than our lives, so you know. I talk about new sofas. You talk about I'm going to go have food and then play video games and then you know watch the cool movie in the background. I'm like, well, okay, that's better than what I'm doing. Well, I mean, in fairness, I also <laughs> was talking about the new couch before we started because mm. I'm really excited about the one <laughs> I hey. just got. Hey, I'm <laughs> envious. I wish I had a new couch. I'm still sitting on the same, like, like bachelor couch I've had for years now. It is so uncomfortable. He, he needs a new couch and he needs some wall art. That's what he actually needs. Yeah, he's, I need wall art. I have the wall art. A true adult wall art. Yes, that is it. I mean, I have. I'm sitting right now next to me, and if you guys, if any of our fans ever watch our YouTube channel, you'll sometimes see there is a purple shield on my wall with two bows on the wall as well behind me, and sometimes you'll see it. It's a huge unicorn on it. Um, and it's actually a, a foam fighting shield, uh, if you know what that is. It's basically mm. pretend fighting. You use right. foam weapons to fight each other, form shields, form swords, and everything. Right. You beat each other with sticks, basically. <laughs> and that's on my wall. So, wall art, adult, mm, sort of. Kind of not. It's okay. I, I, have, <laughs> I have actual swords hanging on my wall. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. See, but I also, still, in fairness, have a, a lightsaber, too, so... See, she's oh, still cooler than us. You see, she's still cooler than us with her wall art. You see, she's <laughs> always on top of it. Oh, <sighs> well, oh I, feel, I feel sad now. <laughs> see? Our lives could be so much better, Ernie. It could be so much better. Just take a page out of her book, swords. literally. 
I'm just saying. Read the pages in the book. Just oh, read yeah. them. <laughs> right, just read them. Just read them. Well, speaking on being on top of things, please be on top of us, but not in that way. Um, like us, love us, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and of course, right where you're getting your podcast today. Thank you. Like us, love us, and subscribe. We are always going to be happy to have guests come on, and we are always happy to have Kristen come on, get her book, read the and get the link below. You can click on it, buy her book now, buy her book now, buy her book now. <laughs> The first Earn. one's only 99 cents on Kindle. I mean, come on, people. This oh, is, that's this so is cool. cheap entertainment. I like the physical copy <laughs> myself. I'm a fan of physical stuff. I'm sorry. They're hardbacks um, now, too. So See, oh. they're hard. They're physical. You're going to keep on top of stuff. It's, it's exactly. Perfect for yeah. the kids. Um, Speaking of speaking, <laughs> speaking of staying on top. Thank you, Ryan. Steeping on, steeping on, keeping on staying on top of things and talking like you know what you're talking about, Ernie. Because trilogies are awesome. Wonder Woman is kind of a mixed review, but at the end of the day, has a lot of heart to it. If you can take us out with a little bit of your own heart, if you will, sir. Peace out. Peace out, guys. We will see you guys next time. Bye. And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.